0: Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership
1: Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal to help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host Carrie Newhoff.
0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode three of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff. It's so good to have you here, man. We're we're having fun in these early days of the podcast, and I'm really glad you're here. Hey, it is now a weekly podcast. That's right. Our whole idea of doing this every other month lasted uh, two weeks. So anyway, it's really great that we're going to be able to offer you a new episode every Tuesday. And what's fun is we're not only now on iTunes, but for all of you Android fans, we're on Stitcher and just recently added to TuneIn and look for some more platforms coming up in the next few weeks. Hey, I don't know what you're doing right now as you're listening. Maybe you're heading off to work or you're at the gym or you're, I don't know, raking leaves or something like that. It's fall. Uh, I just got back from Seattle and from California. It was so awesome. I met so many of you on the Orange Tour there. Um, The Seattle stop was amazing. I mean, California is just a Always amazing as well, both both uh, areas are. And uh, met over a thousand different leaders between the two stops, uh, and that's on the Orange Tour. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about how we can connect uh, a little bit later on, because uh, I'm going to be in Washington soon, Washington, D.C., and then the next stop after that is Indianapolis, where over 1,500 leaders are gathering for that tour stop. Crazy. So having a lot of fun on that this fall, and it's so encouraging, just honestly why I love meeting you and hearing from you, or when people shoot me a note, it's so encouraging to see what you're doing um, to lead better and to advance the mission of the local church, and that's sort of my goal. I just want to help you lead like never before. That's what this podcast was about. And, and it was really cool because when I was there, if you heard episode two, it was with, with uh, Perry Noble. And Perry was just so raw and authentic about um, his burnout and depression and anxiety and even suicidal thoughts. And uh, while I was in California, there was a woman who gathered for the leader's lunch who just said, you know what? She hadn't heard the episode. It was just released that day. It was like, do you know... I just don't know whether I can keep going. She says, our church is 500 people. It's growing. I have people asking me for things all the time. And you could just tell she was right on the cusp of burnout. I mean, we were able to, some of the leaders in the room, we prayed for her. We encouraged her. I think she listened to the episode. And what was so cool hearing from so many of you is that it was just practical help. So that's sort of the goal in all of this. Thank you so much. And hey, just before we jump into today's episode, for everybody who has left a rating in iTunes so far, there's over 90 and counting between the uh, Canadian and U.S. stores. Thank you. That really, really helps get the podcast in front of more leaders, and that's sort of my goal. I just want to help as many leaders as possible. So if you haven't done that today, could you do that? Just jump in and, and leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes, uh, and that would be amazing. Same deal with Stitcher, too. Uh, we can start leaving ratings there as well. So that's super helpful. Now, I want to talk to you about today's guest. I'm so excited to have him on the podcast. I uh, met our guest, Casey Graham, about three years ago for the first time, and um I actually hired him to come on up and help us through a financial problem. And if you've ever, you know, started a business or led a church, you know that money can always be an issue. At that time, he was leading something which was really in the early stages called the Giving Rocket. So Casey flew up. We hung out. We really connected on a personal level, uh, but we sat down at our dining room table and kind of Reimagine stewardship, like how to handle money as a church from the ground up. And um, we were doing fairly well as a church. We had a, a budget in our case of just over a million dollars, but it was one of those treading water seasons Now I know if you're in a startup you're like I would never tread water if I had a million dollars I understand that Um, but whether you're dealing with 50,000 100,000 or 10 million you know there wasn't the margin for growth because we were a certain size we had a certain staff and and um, it was just like man if we just had a little bit more we could really get going so Casey and I created something that we ended up calling Thrive And Casey really challenged me. He said, "Carrie, as a pastor, you're great at informing, you're great at inspiring, and you're terrible at asking. And I thought, okay, that's fair. You're right. I, I get really uncomfortable talking about that stuff. And well, fast forward, here we are three years later. And our church now has double the giving that we had three years ago, which is unbelievable. We are into a building project, which is something we really needed. We've been a portable church with almost a thousand people for six years, so it's time to you know, move into the next phase. But that was so liberating. And um, Casey's just got a way of helping church leaders. Since that time, his company has grown. Um, It was Giving Rocket. Now it's the Rocket Company. And there is Preaching Rocket, Volunteer Rocket, Worship Rocket, and um, Giving Rocket as well. He also launched Business Rocket last year, Inc. Magazine named him to the top 5,000 companies on the Inc. 5,000 list. He's one of the 1,000 fastest growing companies in America today, according to Inc. And uh, the rocket company won the 2013 Infusionsoft Marketer of the Year, which is just crazy. I mean, it's amazing how God is using Casey in the Rocket Company. And um, Casey's got a passion for both the church and business, and that's what we're going to be talking about. So he's always challenged me. We become really great friends. Uh, and, and one of the things I love about Casey is even as God is growing his platform, Casey is determined that his character is going to grow faster than his platform. So that's one of the things I love about him. He's got incredible business insight if you're a business leader, or maybe you're a business leader who serves in the local church as a volunteer, or, uh, and incredible insight for church leaders. We're going to talk about a few things today, but let's jump right in. And here's Casey Graham, founder and CEO of The Rocket Company. Well, welcome Casey Graham to the podcast. Casey's one of my best friends and just an incredible leader that I've learned so much from over the last few years. Casey, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me, Carrie.
0: Hey, Casey, you've got really a unique position in the church and in the business world. Um, Because you lead um, Giving Rocket, you've also worked in a church, but uh, last year you stepped out and launched Business Rocket and worked with all these entrepreneurs, plus you've got kind of a unique relationship um, with some Fortune 500 people and all of that. So from your unique perspective, what are some similarities you've seen between effective church leaders, ministry leaders, and effective business leaders?
1: Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing I see is that's the same. Is they think what's next, not just what's now, hmm. and and they have a constant what should be in the future picture in their mind, uh, and they communicate that picture very clearly to where we're going, and uh, from staff, volunteers, key leaders, and for you know people in the business world, for employees, for partners, for vendors, but that what's next mentality. Um, is it, it, huge. That's one. And then the second one, I think, is that both are on a mission for impact. Hmm. Um, and I see that a lot of times the pastors are on an impact a lot of times for other people. And a lot of the business owners are a lot of impact for themselves sometimes. Sure. <laughs> so. Uh, and the bottom line, and that kind of thing. But both of them have a drive and a desire to accomplish more, do more, and be more uh, than they currently are today.
0: So it's kind of a drivenness. Is is that it? If I had to summarize it, it's what's next and instead of what's now, and then, and then a desire to make an impact. So let's drill down on that. Do you think sometimes humility becomes a stumbling block uh, for church leaders because we don't want to make it about us, and we don't want to be too ambitious? And like where where does that come from? Why don't we see more entrepreneurialism in the church?
1: Um I think we don't because um there comes a point in every organization where there was a growth curve at some point mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it got real it got to the point where the leader could take it or if it was the leader before that leader could take it or the pastor before that and it's just really comfortable. Right. And if you're going to push to the next level, it's going to take Practical things like there's going to be somebody that gets laid off. There's somebody's ministry budget that's going to be cut. There's there's changes that are going to have to take place. And I think it's almost a false humility. It's 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 almost we want to avoid the pain of growth more than it is that we don't want to grow.
0: Boy, there's a lot there. Wow. Uh, I think you've got a lot of people kind of reeling. And and the other reality, let's be honest, because I mean, you're working not with uh, a lot of publicly traded companies, but privately held companies. At the end of the day, you know, let's say you have 20 employees or something like that. You've got 20 people to manage. So you're talking to church leaders here, and maybe they have 100, 200, 1,000 or more people that they're leading. Like when I fire somebody in the church, it's got ripples that impact. All kinds of people are when I cut a program or when somebody doesn't get money. I mean, you've, you've lived that reality because you've been at a larger church. So how do you navigate that? Or is it just you got to look hard, you got to pray, you got to look in the mirror and go, no, this is just something I got to do. Like, Yeah, I th- go ahead. No, no, no. I, I'm just trying to navigate that because, I mean, I, I guess I've made a lot of tough decisions in my time in leadership. But I still wince every time I have to do something like that. Like, it's, it's never fun.
1: <laughs> no, and that's why I texted you yesterday when I had yeah. to make a tough, a tough decision yes, and said, I can't, I can't do this alone, Carrie. Uh, please hold me accountable to be being black and white in the situation, not gray. And the reason that I had to do that is because um, I'm at a point where we've got to grow. And we've got to make some tough decisions, and 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 to me, the decisions have gotten tougher as we've gotten bigger. And I think the same thing is true in, in churches and church leaders is that um, we keep thinking it's going to get easier and easier and easier. But the reality is, is it just gets more people, more money, more problems. And it's not all bad and negative. It's 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 the good side as well. But I just think at the end of the day, every effective leader, the question is about similarities, and the the the, the leader that is willing to take and make the tough call, confront the brutal facts, but also look at all of the problems with hope and optimism toward the future, that leader grows while the other leader doesn't.
0: So that's a great example too. Let's go back to that because I mean, Casey and I text all the time and I bring you my garbage, you bring me your garbage. I mean, we become great friends. But um, for me, that was such an easy thing to do because you texted me, it's like, I gotta make this tough call and we won't talk about what it was, but it it was a hard call. It's a hard call for anybody. I looked at that from the outside because I don't work in your organization. And it was like, dude, that's a no brainer. Like, just do it. And all you needed was somebody on the outside to say, you're absolutely doing the right thing. Go for it. And I think so many ministry leaders live life alone. They, maybe that's a great executable. You just need somebody from the outside looking in. And I'm fortunate to have those people in my life who go, Carrie, pull the trigger. Come on. What are you waiting for?
1: Yeah. And Carrie, I think we're, we are talking about the balance here as I spend time as a CEO and you spend time as a pastor. um, There are people inside of these people's church or outside the church or business owners or people that aren't, it doesn't have to be another pastor. It can be somebody that's just, just somebody that they have a relational connection with. They can just say, Hey, make the call, do the thing you're, you're going in the right direction. And uh, when you sent the text back, I picked up the phone and I kind of just opened the cage to the 500 pound gorilla and tackled it. Yeah, yeah, and it
0: wasn't as bad as you thought, was it? No. I mean, no, the it fallout it was way less than you thought it would be, and it was totally the right call. So that's cool. Okay, there's there's some um, unique things between business leaders and pastors, but let's drill down. What are some other differences you've seen between church leaders and business leaders? Anything else come to mind?
1: Yeah, I've got three that I've thought about mm-hmm. um, in preparation for this, and here's what it is. I think business uh, business leaders think revenue because they want to, Church leaders think revenue because they have to.
0: Oh, oh, stop talking. (laughs) I mean, wow, you just own me on that. You're right. I think revenue because I have to, not because I want to.
1: Right. Whoa. And this... This is a big, big, big deal that I feel like has got to change, and it is changing in church. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that uh, I'm not saying that the church leaders need to wake up and need to be driven by how much revenue can they have and how much money they can make. That's not the point. But the point is, every healthy and growing organization has to have money. It's mm-hmm. just the way it is, and money is kind of the lifeblood of an organization. It's what allows you to hire the people, to get in the next facility, to make the calls you need to make for the future, and so. Business owners know that we have quarterly sales objectives. We have monthly sales objectives. We know that revenue is important and churches just kind of set a budget, which is funny to me because a budget is what you spend. So right. church leaders spend spend more time focusing on what they're going to spend the next year than what they're actually going to make or put in the bank. And so it's a backwards thing. And so that's why so many church leaders are broke and uh, not just broke personally, but their church is broke is because we spend so much time just going, well, we're broke. This is the way it is. And we're passive and we're not aggressive as it relates to going out and getting the money that's there.
0: Well, uh, let me just echo that. You're right. And busted. I mean, you know, we were talking about something that happened in your life yesterday, something that happened in my life. Just before I jumped on this call, I sent off an email and our elders and I made a $27,000 decision today. We had an opportunity come up. It was $27,000. Now we have money in the bank and everything like that. We decided not to do it. Because we weren't sure we had the extra $27,000. Now, I think that was a right decision. But part of me as a leader is like, gosh, I just I just wish we had that extra $27,000 to make that call because the opportunity would get wider. And we'll put this in the show notes, but um, there's that TED Talk by Dan Pilata, I think I've got his name right, where he talks about what if we funded churches and not-for-profits? He's not even a Christian, but what if we what if we funded churches and not-for-profits the way we fund Walmart or business or Fortune 500? 500 companies, wouldn't the world be a better place? And you carry that mindset, but you get pushback from that in, in church world for that sometimes. Cause we think so Absolutely.
1: small. Yeah. And it's not even, it's not even, I don't know if it's about small as it's about, you, we think sometimes uh, bad about it and we think that money is 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 evil and that it's 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 wrong if we ha- if we, if our church is overflowing in money then we must be doing something wrong and um, that we look at those big churches or the TV preacher and we say well they did that so if we have extra money then I'm going to turn into that guy and all of that stuff all of that stuff is basically uh, hogwash and bad thinking. And so I think that's one of the differences. Another difference mm. that I saw carry as I thought about this is that business leaders think results, church leaders think relationships. Mm. And as I started thinking about that, the difference is that so many of our churches is like, I wonder if the people listening right now, does their staff people, do they know what they're supposed to accomplish and have like any goals attached to their job? Or is it just if they've drank some coffee with some people and everybody feels good about them being around the staff? Is that okay? And so I'm not, I, you know, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm saying this is a difference. And I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong. Relationships and results matter. they both have to be there. But sometimes we err one side, and, and on the business side, we err too much on making money and we burn out people and we say, we don't care who's next, put the next guy in. And so I think there's a difference that I see there. Definitely.
0: Wow. That's huge. Yep. I can think of a lot of situations that come to mind when I think about ministry being just coffee and relationships. And if there's progress, there's progress. And if there's no progress, there's, there's, there's none. So cool. Third difference. This is great.
1: Is that I think business leaders utilize innovation and church leaders don't. Hmm. Um, And here's what I mean by that. And I don't want to make a sweeping, sweeping statement. I would say most business owners that are growing and thriving business utilize innovation. Most churches, uh, they do not utilize innovation, uh, technology. What's on the cutting edge of reaching the next new thing or next new people? Right. And 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 and, and what i I see all the time is that um, we spend so much time investing in staff people that man- staff staff positions that manage people that okay. we don't think that we don't think about R and D technology, the things that can fast forward, everything in our church, we don't have budget going to any of that. We don't have budget going to an outreach person where their goal is not to do a bus ministry or go knock on doors, but their goal is to leverage where people are, which is Facebook, which is Twitter, which is on their email, which is at work, you know, that kind of thing. And so um, I see a big difference here in uh, another one's content marketing that churches don't leverage. They, they produce content every single week that they could reach the local community with before they even show up at their church. But we don't leverage that you, the, the, the content marketing side of things because we just don't think about it. We don't, we don't really lean into innovation and we just go, you know what, that may not work for us. And the last thing I would say is just websites. You know, most yeah. websites I go to look like, you know, I went to one the other day, It had like this sheep and like a dove coming down and like, you know, and I'm serious. The only dove different- was
0: eating the sheep. Yeah. You know, well, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you so- mean.
1: Anyway, I just, hmm. I just say, I say this passionately not to, not to get onto or not to uh, be a part of, but if you're a church leader listening to this, is there's so much innovation available to help you accomplish more than you've ever thought accomplished, more than you accomplished by then just hiring somebody to manage more people.
0: Let's go there. Okay. Cause I resonate with that. I've, I've been looking at church websites and we're redesigning ours this year and uh, we just came off a one day retreat. And I was telling you about this after our one day retreat that I, I want to start, and this is like a crazy idea. It's not even fully formed but I want to start doing our social media and content marketing as though we were a business, except I'm going to leverage it for relationships. And uh, you've had tremendous success. So a little bit more background on Casey. Uh, you were the 2013 Infusionsoft Marketer of the Year, uh, the rocket company. Uh, you have probably used um, email marketing as well as anybody I know and have had you know national recognition for that. And you've also used Facebook marketing exceptionally well. Now, most churches. Uh, have a website which really is a glorified business card or some kind of static like no no interaction some churches have a blog um, we all have email lists because that's how we communicate with people, but we don't use them. And most churches have some kind of Twitter or Facebook or social media presence, maybe Instagram for a few, um, but it's really underdeveloped. And you're right, we don't staff for it. So let's drill down on that. Is email seriously the most overlooked tool that church leaders have, in your view? And how could church leaders? I mean, email doesn't even have a great reputation. Most of us hate it, but how would you use it to actually make a connection with people for the purposes of the gospel and ministry?
1: Well, in, in preparation for this, I looked at some stats and, and um, you know, uh, Jesus went where people were. Mm-hmm. Um, he went where people were. Rick Warren in Purpose Driven Live talked about fishing and you have to go to the right pond and use the right lure at the right time to catch the right fish kind of thing. Right. Um, and I started thinking about that and talking about this and I don't necessarily know if it's Email as much as it is, is mobile is that they have their phone in their hand and I have my phone in my hand. My I, you can probably see your phone or feel your phone where you are right now. Right here. Yeah, yep. and I've got I've got mine right beside me. And um, I looked at some stats and that most most people the very first thing they do in the morning when they wake up if they have a smartphone is they check their email. Yep. Eight um, percent of people check their email right after sex.
0: <laughs> Isn't that interesting?
1: Absolutely. Uh, But I'm just I mean, think about this for a second. And then and then when you look at everybody that's listening to this and if you're in your car right now and you're at a stoplight and you're listening to this, I want you to look to your left, your right and look at what everybody's doing at the stoplights.
0: Yeah, even if it's illegal,
1: even if it's illegal, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. They're all doing it. So the point is that's where our people are. And that's where the people are that are in our church and outside of our church. And the one thing that they're scrolling through and the one thing they're looking at, there's two, two sides of it. One is social media and two is email. It's every it is the place that everybody says I have email and they look at email every single day of mm-hmm. their lives. And so it is where people are. And so the reason why I'm passionate about it is because it's the best place to reach people. Yeah. It's okay. the Go ahead.
0: We were talking about that, so I didn't mean to jump in there. But I mean, you have had tremendous success with the rocket company in terms of email marketing, and a lot of us look at email as a necessary evil, right? I'm not, I'm not a huge email fan, and yet you listen to anybody in marketing today, and they're telling you if you actually want to make money online, and again, that's a business mindset, not a ministry mindset. But the money is in the email list, and so a lot of church leaders, even if you're pastoring a church of a hundred, you're pastoring a church of a thousand, you're sitting on dozens to hundreds. Some of you are sitting on thousands of email addresses that once in a while we send out a note. Hey, we got this new series coming or here's your tax receipt. And that's about all we do with it. Right. So what is the potential in an email list for church?
1: Yeah, well, let's go internal first. Um, we spend so much time focusing on the Sunday morning experience, which is only one hour. Mm-hmm. But I think there's just as much power in reaching somebody on Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. that is sitting at their desk with their email open that comes from Pastor Carrie. An email comes out with a really good headline, not church newsletter that nobody wants to read. <laughs> nobody reads yeah. your church newsletters. Right. I, You know, you won't even read your church newsletters. That's very so, true. So, so. It's a really good headline that says "From a note from Pastor Carry, check this out or whatever. And then there's just a video in there. And imagine this, just a small video and say, hey, this is a two-minute video. And I just, uh, I, w- I want to talk to you just for a second. And they click over, they watch a two-minute video. And on the video, you just share a story about somebody that got baptized this weekend. And you just talk to them right there. And you say, I know it's Tuesday morning. I know it's 10 a.m. But what you're doing in your office today matters. And there's more stories that you can connect with. So I want you to think about who in your office or who around can be the next story today. Hmm. That is so simple. You can shoot it on an iPhone. You can have it on a landing, a web page, and you can send an email out and cast vision for outreach on a Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. I could go through every ministry area of the church. I could go through volunteer inspiration. I can go through uh, getting people to give online on Wednesday night at nine o'clock while they're watching a TV show and click the link to give online for that week. I can go on and on and on that we have 24 seven access for inspiration, discipleship, motivation, and all of that. It's not, we can't just live in the Sunday morning environment anymore. We've got to understand that we live in a digital world.
0: Mm-hmm. That is so good. And people think, oh, well, I don't want to bother people. But if you take it from that perspective, and I hope you caught the principle under that, you're helping somebody. Like you're, you're helping them connect the dots on a Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Uh, another thing we found really helpful is sometimes we'll just do what we think is helpful content. They call it content marketing. If you follow Copyblogger, people like that. And it's basically like five ways to help your child adjust to daylight savings time or seven styles of parenting that might be her- hurting more than helping. And like people love that. And when they're done, they spend two minutes reading it, a minute reading it, and they're like, oh, that's something that really helped me in the day-to-day. Well, why can't churches do that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and think about the person in your database, because the majority of your database doesn't attend church every week. Exactly. so think about the person who reads the seven steps, stuff thing of parenting article, and it's just a helpful article. The chances, if they're going to pick a church that weekend, if they're going to be reminded, if they're going to come back, they're coming to your place and they need to come back. And so, uh, and the point is even that you ask them to come back. They, they, they just, it, it's, it's value and yeah. you have provided more value to them. And uh, that's what we do in content marketing is that we just give away as much content as we possibly have. And everybody listening to this has content in them because- mm-hmm you're producing it in sermons and curriculum and different things that you do, um, taking that content, putting it in just a simple little email, but that's internal to reach people external. I know that's where we're going to go here. Just, yeah. just kind of wrap this thing up in a second, but that's a whole nother story of, of I have a passion and a vision to see what you're going to do carry with your church. Um, the way to reach the people that don't go to your church is not bus ministries. And yeah. you know that anymore The new bus ministry is Facebook marketing and email marketing in in your community. Hmm.
0: Well, that's true because everybody uses it, right? I mean, 95% of people within a half hour drive of any church listening are, they have email and they're on Facebook. And, you know, you can say, well, what about the 22 year old? Sure, what about the 22 year old? But at the end of the day, um, you know, they've got Instagram and there are different ways to reach them. So, one of the ideas that we have, and we haven't done this yet, at least at the time of, of, of uh, taping this interview, is we're going to redesign our whole blog. There's going to be an email capture with a free ebook. And basically, it, you know, the ebook could be like five ways to kickstart your devotional life or five common questions about God. And it'll just be something we write, short, sweet. Um, but you get their email address, and then you set up an autoresponder sequence to actually have a dialogue. And it lands you for people who really click and engage. And maybe that's 10%, doesn't really matter but it lands you at Starbucks having a conversation about life and faith and in God. And there are all these people, in our case, over 350,000 people within a 30 minute drive of our campuses who don't attend church on Sunday. Well, if you reach 10% of them and 1% of them ended up in a growing relationship with Jesus, oh my goodness, are, are you kidding me? So how do you do that? Like talk a little bit more about email and, and outsiders. And then you've done a lot of research in the last year about Facebook and, and take us there.
1: Yeah. So um, let's just go with Facebook, for instance, that um, everybody, uh, not everybody, but most people listening to this are going to look at Facebook today. The average person looks at Facebook about five times a day um, on their phone and that kind of thing. And so um, they constantly open it and they have something called sponsored, um, sponsored post that is in all of our news feeds. And that's how Facebook makes money. And so uh, the sponsor post has become the biggest opportunity, not only for businesses, but if you're a church listening to this, it's the biggest opportunity for you to pinpoint. Like for you, Carrie, there's Mm -hmm. uh, 350,000 people. You can get in every one of their news feeds, every one of them. And not only just uh, in a geographical region— Because of the power of Facebook and what they have in something called a power editor, which we obviously can't get into today. But it allows you to go in and say, not only do I want the people in this radius, but I want to know who likes the local strip club
0: (laughs) page. You really want to to reach people.
1: Yeah, I want to know who likes this page. So you can say, not only are we going to get these people in this area, but we're going to get the people that like these things. We're going to find people that were recently divorced, Mm -hmm. whatever. And so let's go down that track. So we got somebody that's divorced recently divorced, and we're going to reach out to those people because they're hurting. Okay, You can put an ad in front of them, a church can do this, of the pastor doing a one-minute little video that says, hey, so many people at our church have been through what you've been through. And my name is Pastor So and So and I just want to say that we've got hope. And so we've created a thing called the Seven Steps of Hope Recovery Divorce Guide. It's completely free. You just give us your name and your email address. We're not gonna we're gonna send you seven emails telling them what you're gonna do or whatever, and we're gonna let you know the seven steps to blah, blah, you know, recovering from a divorce. Yeah.
0: That, that is so huge.
1: Yeah. And and think about that. So your next message series, let's just say it's on money. You can go out to people that likes that stuff uh, on on money. You can you can find whatever you want to find. You can pinpoint those people, get in front of their newsfeed, have them click off of a Facebook ad and then go to uh, what's called a landing page where you get their name, email address. And then you start what's a, a digital relationship through email with them after that.
0: See, that is so cool. And I hope people caught that. You can target. It's not just, you know, because the problem with old media is it's broadcasting. You buy an ad on the radio, you hope it's going to reach some people. You buy an ad on TV, you hope it's going to reach some people. It's incredibly expensive, but literally for dozens of dollars, not hundreds, not thousands. You can buy a targeted ad and actually specify the demographic. Like I'm going after 35 to 45 year old males. Um, who are recently divorced, who like strip clubs or who um, love hockey or or baseball or whatever, and you can hyper target it. So it only shows up in their news feeds.
1: And age. So like Mm -hmm. if you're not reaching 65 year olds, you take all the 65, like you can pinpoint it down. Exactly. Now here's, here's another powerful feature. And this is just, we're kind of casting a vision here. I know everybody's not going to take this and know Mm -hmm. how to do it, but we can, we can come back later and do that. But you can take your email list that you currently have of your church members, upload it to Facebook. And put your weekly announcements or anything you want to say to your church because it has the emails attached and it will put in their news feed, you will come up only for the people that you have in your database.
0: I see. I didn't know that. That's really cool. And that's the power editor um, feature in Facebook. Where'd you learn a lot of this? Like if there's a quick link that people could go to, because we'll put it in the show notes. I know I've heard Amy Porterfield talk about it, for example, on her podcast and some of the stuff she does, but. um,
1: Yeah, I would say uh, the Facebook Express course by Perry Marshall. Okay. Facebook Express by Perry Marshall. And let me just share one more. And then I've got to, just because when you upload that list, Carrie, of people that go to your church, You can also create a group of people that it knows that are like those people and their friends that you can put ads in front of their friends to invite their friends to church. And you can help do that for them because it automatically knows who their friends are.
0: See, okay, that is powerful. Because sometimes when we buy um, targeted ads on Facebook, it'll be, uh, we want this to show up in the news feeds of people who like our page and the people who are friends with them. You can specify that. And then what happens is, you know, they might see this Conexus thing in the case of our church, or they see your church, but they don't really think about it. It's sort of like advertising. They may never click. But then when their friend says, hey, I go to this church and I would love for you to come with me one Sunday and we'll go for lunch after. It's like, what's your church? Conexus. Where have I I heard of that? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. It creates top of the mind awareness, right?
1: Absolutely. It's it so, cool. so powerful.
0: All right. Well, that, that is neat. And you know what? I have a feeling you'll be the first repeat guest on this podcast. So we'll have to come back and drill down on this <laughs> at some point, Casey. This is just so much fun. And, um, so, uh, let's say a church says, okay, I, I don't have uh, big money for this. And I know that's an excuse, right? Because one of the things you do with Giving Rocket is you help people find more money for ministry. Um, but I do have an email list. Where would you start? If there's like one step that people could take today, what would you have them do with either e- their email list or, or Facebook?
1: Yeah, well, I would, uh, most church management solutions are not good at sending out emails at all. So I would, go, I would go outside the church management uh, space and I would use like MailChimp, uh, which is very, or AWeber. Those are two systems that are extremely cheap, uh, but they're very good. Upload your email list there first. That's step one. Step yeah. two is, I would um, craft out of content you've already done, which may be your last sermon or couple sermon series, some practical how to um, No more than about 500 words um, that you would send an email out to the list once a week for four weeks to just get some content out there. And then on the email, the last thing I would say is let's just say it was on family and you do the five steps for family or whatever. At the end, have them press reply, Say, press reply and tell me the one thing you learned from this email. And everybody listening to this will be amazed at the amount of people that press reply and start an email conversation with somebody on your staff or if it's a smaller church, you as the pastor can do it. And you can have a conversation during the week with people and you'll just see the power of connecting with people all week long, not just on Sundays.
0: I think there's a secondary benefit with that. That's a really tangible example. But not only when you, when you start to get replies, people tell you things, but um, you discover the pain points in people. Lives. I mean, a lot of the time as a pastor, you sit there going, I wonder what people are struggling with. Well, I think they're struggling with this, and I think they're struggling with that. But at the end of the day, when you get into a conversation, they give you information, and it's open-ended, and you go, oh my gosh, like families are struggling with... Um, right. marriage or divorce or or my kids have this sense of entitlement or there's an addiction or cutting issue going on. And all of a sudden you discover this and it's a gateway into ministry that doesn't normally happen on a Sunday morning. So the payoff can be huge in terms of actually affecting life change in, in people's lives. Well, that's a doable thing. And I think the other thing, if you're like, cause I know your small church, all that. Mailchimp's free, isn't it? For the first couple hundred email addresses, I'm on there, and I think it was. And you like it's almost free, and then you pay if you have a bigger list. Like, I mean, I I have five thousand um, email addresses on my list, and I think it costs me fifty bucks a month. So I mean, that's totally affordable for anybody. I mean, you can pay that out of pocket. Okay, a couple of big wrap up questions, Casey, because this is this time is just flying, um, but it's an awful lot of fun. Uh, a lot of church staff are feeling overwhelmed. Um, And there are some business leaders listening in on this podcast who um, don't work on churches who are uh, getting fired up. Why do you think so much of the potential business leader expertise that sits in a service every week gets overlooked? Like if there is some way to bring these two worlds together, church leaders and business leaders, why do you think business people go to church every Sunday and never get tapped on the shoulder, never figure out, hey, this is a place where I could use my gifts to leverage them for the kingdom?
1: Why do you think that happens? Because most churches ask people to work with their backs, not their brains. Wow. And we don't look at volunteer areas in the standpoint of how people think as much as what we want them to do. And Mm. so we spend time asking, can you keep kids? Can you serve coffee? Can you be a greeter? Can you work in the parking ministry? And again, all of those things are fantastic. But a a business leader, a business owner, uh, and some will— But the guys that are untapped talent sitting out there in your church, they're looking for a problem to solve, not a hole to fill. (laughs)
0: That's so good.
1: Because that's what they do every day. And it's just boring to show up and just do the same thing. It doesn't mean that they don't love Jesus and they're not a servant. It just means that you're not casting a big enough vision for them to serve with their brain and to do what they're best at, which is solve problems. And so I would say... Um, we're, we're missing it because there's no opportunities for 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 people uh, to serve with their brain, to serve with the problem solving. If there's a marketing guy or a web guy or an SEO guy or whatever sitting out in the service, you know, they're just kind of blah. They're, they're, they're bored.
0: Hmm. That's a really good point. We uh, had a guy come to faith earlier this year who started attending last year, totally unchurched, very high capacity leader. And I put together a social media team to redo our whole social media. And I thought, you know, it's, Easy to do it myself because it's something I do, but let's build a team. I got challenged to build a team. So I put the call out on social media because that's you know, you don't stand up on a Sunday and go, hey, if you're interested in social media. If you are, you're already on social media. And the one guy who who is so promising in this area, he came to me and he said, You know what? I have been looking for a chance to jump in for the last six months, and I've never found anything that really worked. And we had asked, even from the platform, and he said, but when I heard you say social media and you just wanted to think through it, I'm in. And this guy, turns out, he had managed the G8 summit. You know those global summits of presidents <laughs> yeah. and prime ministers? He, he managed it for Toronto EMS services, um, and he did it using Twitter and a whole bank of monitors. And using social media, he had figured out more about where the problems and the riots were than the police had in their intelligence. And now he's sitting around our boardroom going, I didn't know where to fit in until you told me I could fit in here by bringing my brain.
1: That's a crazy good story. That's perfect example.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I can see that. Um, and then why do you think business leaders are a little bit afraid to dig into church leadership if they are?
1: Uh, when you say dig in, what do you mean? Carl? Well, I
0: mean, like, say, volunteer, kind of go, hey, I'm, I'm in. Why do you think business leaders will go week after week after week? Is it just the flip side of the same thing?
1: Um, yeah, but I think the other side, uh, this is the side where I get on to business owners is, is just to say where, well, um, you know, you can't just be anonymous and sit there and right. hope, hope that it all works out. Um. Suggest something. Like if you're a business leader listening to this and you want to make change, ask something, suggest something, bring it up, send an email, take some action, that kind of thing. Instead of just you know, kind of just sitting there going, "Well, they just don't get me." But I, I will tell you this, and this is another thing that's just bad. But in businesses, business owners are treated really well a lot of times, and what I mean by that is like uh, they're courted and they're mm-hmm. asked to do stuff, and you know, they're they're they're, they're if they have power. Um, they're used to being the most powerful person in the room. And oftentimes, uh, what that means is that people kind of cater to them and that kind of thing. And so, so many uh, church leaders, we're we're, 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 scared to do that because we don't want to show favoritism. And I'm not saying you need to kiss their eyes, but that's not the point, right. but I'm, but I'm saying the best way I know to get uh, like a bunch of business owners engaged is like, take a mission trip and only invite CEOs. Hmm. Take Great
0: seven
1: idea. And and the mission trip doesn't have to be to Africa. I'm saying just go an hour away and go do something or, or get together with them and say, this is for this. And what will happen is when you create the exclusive environment, you'll start to see your best leaders emerge. They do not respond to cattle calls. Um, They respond to a tap on the shoulder or an invite to something exclusive.
0: Uh, That's very, very true, Casey. Um, One thing I want to challenge everybody to do is to think about what step you can take. Because one of the things I've learned from Casey in terms of church leaders that make a difference, business leaders that make a difference, is you call it a bias for action. And you have one of the biggest biases for action I've seen Casey, like Casey will float an idea by me. I'm like, oh, that's great. I'm still thinking about it. You're already like, well, I bought the domain name and all that. Here's a great example. Uh, I had a few things sh- come up that were truly an emergency this morning. And so I had to delay the recording of this. And with a guy with your schedule, it's kind of like, oh, I'm, you know, I feel really bad about that and we'll set it up later. But you actually had your assistant rent a hotel room so that we could jump on this call an hour and a half later than normal. And I'm thinking like, who would do that? Most people just wouldn't do that. Talk as we close down about this bias for action that you see in business leaders and effective church leaders, because it challenges me every time.
1: Well, what um, I say is that proper action produces traction. Mm -hmm. So proper action produces traction. And the thing that makes people the happiest in life is progress. Um, and, and, And if you look at you know, progress. If you want to get better, if you want to feel better, if you want to do something, if you want to, when you lose that first three pounds or when you get that extra volunteer or when you preach that better sermon, whatever it is, the progress is what gets us going. And so, um, my bias for action is simply that, I want to progress, and I tying it all the way back around to the first part of the podcast is we have a vision of what could be and what should be in the future, and that vision is what drives us to actually do something instead of just sit around. And so, if you're listening to this, my biggest thing to say would be, what's the number one thing? Because we talk about this, we say dominate, don't dabble, don't write down 17 things from this. What's the one thing that you're going to go do? What's the one thing? Are you going to learn more about Facebook on on through the show notes? Are you going to learn more about you know, email marketing? Are you going to go ask a business owner to go on a trip? Just find that one thing. And when you take that action, it will create traction in the area that you currently do not have it. So go take action.
0: Action creates traction. I love that. Casey, can't thank you enough for spending time today on the podcast. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thanks
0: well isn't that challenging and isn't that inspiring I mean it always is for me Casey just has this massive bias for action where he's just doing stuff he's launching things starting things whenever we hang out I always think what am I doing with my life uh, not much you know it's just it's good it's a good spur to action but it doesn't have to be intimidating either there are actually on that note some very practical action steps you can take this week in the show notes I just kind of summarized what I thought as well as some um, quotes from Casey and you can find all those in the show notes at carrie newhoff Dot com slash episode three. That's Newhoff.com slash episode numeral three. You'll see everything there, including all the links to some of the TED Talks and other things we talked about and to Casey and his company. So if you found this podcast helpful, if you would be so kind as to leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes or now on Stitcher, we would be so, so grateful. It just helps us get the podcast in front of other leaders. So thank you so much for that. And today's episode is sponsored by the U.S. Orange Tour. Now, that's a really cool tour. If you've never checked out Orange, it's amazing. Uh, I just got back from a couple of cities and going to be on the road again in a little bit, but it just helps you take your family ministry team to the next level. So join me in one of the seven cities I'm going to be in. Now, uh, I'm going to do a leader's lunch as well as a number of talks in Washington, D.C. on Friday, October the 10th, and then the next week in Indianapolis on Friday, October the 17th. If you are near D.C. or Indy, I would love to see you. You know, we have over 1,500 leaders coming to Indy. isn't that crazy? I'm going to be hosting a leadership lunch. That's for senior and executive pastors at both tour stops in DC and Indy. I would love to have you there. And here's how you can register. Just go to the show notes, carrienewhoffcom slash episode three. You can register right off there or go to orangetour.org and click on the city nearest you. We would love to see you on Orange Tour, especially those of you who are senior leaders. We just love to connect with you there. Next Tuesday, when we're back, we're going to have a fascinating conversation with Kara Powell. Kara is a researcher, a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary and heads up the Fuller Youth Institute, and she has done an academic study, like a quantifiable study, over a decade now, tracking kids who stick with their Christian faith when they move into their adult years and kids who don't. And her learnings are fascinating. If you're a church leader or just a Christian who really cares about, well, why do so many kids walk away from their faith when they get into their adult years, Kara's got piercing insights. So whether that's the um, perspective of a parent or a church leader or a senior pastor, I think next week's gonna be fantastic. So Kara Powell's gonna join us. And in the meantime, if you could head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating or review, that would be great. Jump on over to my blog, CarrieNewhoff.com. We'll carry on the conversation there, including anything you wanna know more or further about uh, this episode with Casey Graham. And in the meantime, We'll see you in a week. And thank you so much for listening. You guys are awesome. And uh, I hope this helps you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never
1: before.